It's Wednesday, November 23. I'm Josh Gabalich, and this is AFL Daily. We're now just five sleeps away from the 2022 NAB AFL Draft. And if you haven't spent too much time focusing on what your club is going to do next week, we've got a man in the studio who's going to break it down for us. Cal Toomey, great to have you here this morning. Thank you, Josh. Good morning. Uh, yeah, five sleeps to go. It's uh, It's been a long build-up to this year's draft, a little bit longer than usual, given the draft's pushed back a little bit. Obviously, the AFLW Grand Final coming this weekend too, so draft back a little bit further and deeper into November than usual, but it's given us a little bit extra time to try and work out who's going where. Well, let's spend a bit of time this morning digging into some of the good storylines in the first round, because there's plenty to talk about, but just more broadly to start with... We think about 2020, 2021, we've had two years that have been dramatically affected by COVID-19. Yeah, It's taken a fair bit of time to really get a read on a lot of the prospects, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I think these guys started this season as the most un- unseen draft class we've ever not seen or seen, whichever way you want to look at it. They, they came in without a, an under-16s carnival, essentially. Um, that was 2020 for them. Under-17s, they were basically wiped out too, so... There was so much uncertainty on this year's group, and I think what we've seen across this year has been a slower build into their draft year potentially than what other cl- uh, other classes would have had in, in the past. But that will, in some ways as well, give them a better foot in the door in terms of their AFL careers than the last two draft classes will have had, I think, because they have at least played a full season this year. And across the year, we've seen a fair few players come on. There's probably been a, a different build-up to this year, though, in terms of how this draft has played out rather than the previous few years where, obviously, 2020 and 2021, they, they had no footy throughout their seasons. But this year's group, yeah, they were they were hit hard by COVID and, obviously, uh, they're able to get out there this year, which is great. Cal, there's only one name to start with, and that's Will Ashcroft. We've heard about him a lot in the last three, four, five, six months. We know he's going to go to the Brisbane Lions, but are we expecting Greater Western Sydney to make a bid at number one? Oh, well, that's the big question. I, I think that uh, there's there's pros and cons to both of those situations, and and clearly, I think Will would like to go number one. Um, he's he's that determined type of person. I don't think um, Aaron Cadman would have started the year with with number one pick on his mind. Uh, I think that's pretty clear that he definitely wouldn't have. But as the year's gone on, obviously the Giants were, were targeting him and, and targeting a player of his type and character. Do you trade a couple of picks to get up to pick one to then make a bid? You probably don't, but then also uh, what sort of pressure does that add being a number one pick? To me, it's a very different pressure in Sydney versus anywhere else in the country. I I think that um, you look at some of the number one picks that the the Giants have had, I think that over time they haven't faced the same level of scrutiny while they've played at the Giants that other number one picks have and, and feature around the country. So I think it's a different case given the Giants and where they're at and being in the newest club in the competition compared to other clubs, even um, North Melbourne last year, I think a very different case where Jason Horn francis was really keen to go number one uh, and it, it meant something to him. I don't think it would mean as much to, to Aaron Cadman in the same scenario, but yeah, that's uh, still to be decided, I think. Well, let's talk about Aaron Cadman because he's come from nowhere in terms of his draft status this year. How much has he improved? Because Three or four months ago, he was he just a first-round prospect and now yeah. all of a sudden he's a potential number one pick. I remember speaking to the guys at the Greater Western Victoria Rebels before the season started and they said, just just keep an eye on Cadman because what they'd seen across the preseason was, one, his growth spurt, which was a big part of mm. what he was able to do this year, but then, two, his footy was really ticking along so well. They'd identified him as a leader of their program too and, and that character has shone through at every level he's played so far. 
um, in footy, particularly over the last 12 months. So, yeah, he has come from the clouds a little bit, certainly in terms of the, the number one race. Um, positionally, he's the standout key forward in the group. 30-plus goals this year. Yeah, it was outstanding for Vic Country at the carnival mid-year and, and late in the season. And I watched him play a game late in the year. Uh, I can't exactly remember who it was against. Was it Daniel? No. Um, might have been the Stingrays. And he was sensational late in this game. And a lot of recruiters were there that day. And he helped his side when they needed him. And they, he stood up really well. He kicked a couple of goals, a couple of big grabs. He's a really athletic key forward who can get up and down the ground. I love the fact he gets so much of the ball. So he's not going to be a key forward who's going to be stuck in the goal square relying on others. He'll go and get it himself. So much intrigue around number one. You released your fifth and final Phantom Guide over the weekend on afl.com.au. You've ranked two Oakley Chargers midfielders, George Bordlaw and Elijah Sardis at two and three. Both of them had brilliant patches this year, but both of them had injury issues. Is yeah. that not any concern for the clubs? I don't think so. I think George Wardlaw's three hamstring injuries would have required investigation. He knew that. He came to the combine. I spoke to him ahead of the, the NAB AFL draft combine, and he knew that he'd be a hot topic and hot piece of property on the on the, the medical table when all the, the medicos from all the clubs gather around and prod and pick apart what, what the issues are. But look, one of those hamstrings was a significant one. The other two were a little bit less significant, and the last one really was... Um, a three-week injury that he could have come back and played um, from late in the year, but he just they they were cautious about what they did there. So that was something for for him to sort of navigate. But I, I don't think it's a concern long term. He's a powerful player and he's a power athlete, so that's a part of his game that he's going to need to get right. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of George Wardlow. I think his impact in games is significant. He doesn't need 35 touches to be a best on ground player. He can be a 25 player, he can be a 20 player and still have a huge impact. We saw that at times this year for the Oakley Chargers and also when he was best on ground for the AFL Academy mid-year. Uh, Elijah Sardis a little bit different in that um, his injury was more of a contact injury. Uh, I think he got stomped on, on his foot, essentially, um, and, and had a foot fracture there for about 8 to 10 weeks in the middle of the year. Either side of that, though, he's best on ground. I think his best games stand up alongside anyone else's best games in the pool. He's, they were complete, they were dominant, they were inside-outside midfield stuff. Yeah, he's a really exciting player. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, the Bombers are, are weighing him up, but if they don't take him, then Hawthorne clearly will be right in the frame there. Geelong, St Kilda too, inside the top 10. So uh, he's got a few takers inside there, but the Bombers pick clearly is going to be um, a big factor in all of that. Well, let's talk about pick four because it's the most fascinating right now. I reckon I've asked you about it across the last month a few times, just in the yeah. office, just saying, what is Adrian Dodoro going to do? We don't even know if Essendon are going to have it next Monday night. Do we know yet whether they're going to have it? Clubs are showing interest in, in trading up to get pick four. What's going to happen? I'd be surprised if they moved. I'd be surprised if the top ten changed too much, to be honest with you. I think it's going to take something ultra-significant for them to shift out of pick four. That's just the, That is the golden area, the golden mm. mile of the draft, really. Mm. It, it's hard to go wrong at pick four. It's much easier to go wrong if you're tapping out of the top ten. So uh, even if you might not pick the best player capable of pick four, you're going to get a pretty good player either way. Whereas the, the risk of getting back and, and getting two decent players or you know splitting and getting three, three solid players, I'm not sure if that's worth it when you've got pick four up for grabs. So I think that the likelihood is that they keep it. What do they do? I think it's obviously weighing up Elijah Sardis and Matthias Philippou as, as the main contenders there. And they've both got uh, reasons to look at them. Uh, Sardis, as we spoke about, was dominant in the NAB League 
um, and for Vic Metro when he returned late in the year, 186 centimetres. He's a bigger midfielder. I watched him train on Saturday, and he's he's filled out a little bit. He's worked hard in the gym. He's athletic. Um, he's got the, the the blitz out of the stoppage, but he can also go and win it. So if there's any concern over him being an inside midfielder, I, I just don't think it's real because he is going to be that. He's going to be the inside-outside gun. And then there's Filippo, who is a different player to anyone really in the top 10 mix. He's 190 centimetres, big left footer, kicks goals from outside 50, plays midfield but also half forward and has a real confidence about him that you know, he wants to be great. And, and so does Elijah Sard. It's, there's different confidences there, and but both of them are really determined players. So I think that's what the Bombers will be weighing up. And yeah, I can see the argument for both. I've, I've rated, as you say, Sardis inside that top three or four all year. But Philip, who's, you know, born on December 27, so he's five days short of being in next year's draft, which is also part of the upside. And we know what a, a bingo word upside is when recruiters look at the draft. So much intrigue in Mateus Philippou. I just want a bit more insight into into what he's like as a person because a lot of the a lot of the whispers that are coming out of some of his meetings with the clubs are, are fascinating. He's just got a real confidence about him, doesn't he? That's him. Um, yeah, he does. And where we are doing this podcast... This morning, uh, we interviewed Mateus Filippo as well during the combine, and he had the same confidence on camera as he does off camera, as he does with clubs, as he does with his coaches. That's him. So, and he's been built that way. Um, he, he's not too worried about how it comes off or appears. That that's just his um, sort of mantra. I think in life is to back himself because if he doesn't, no one else will. So, and and that's built as well via um, look. His dad's played footy at, at AFL level, played a few games for the Bulldogs in the 1990s, so has some experience there. Also been, obviously, a quality player in the Sample competition, but yeah, he does have a confidence to him, and and, and clubs are sort of um, weighing that up around uh, other players as well, but look, he, he wants to be great. Cal, pick seven is the other one that's really interesting. It's been really interesting from the moment Geelong acquired that from the Gold Coast Suns. In the Jack Bowes deal, we, we'll be talking about that on Trade Radio for the next decade when we think <laughs> about what happened does it remain with Geelong? There's a lot of interest around Jai Clark and, and Pick Seven. What happens with Pick Seven? Again, I'd be surprised if it moved. I think there's just there's too much quality at the top end of that draft to, to be shifting out of there. Even if Jai Clark isn't there, um, Hawthorne at Pick Six it would be the biggest threat. But also Gold Coast have shown interest in, in Jai Clark. So there's, he's got a pretty small draft range to be honest. It's about three picks, but. Uh, what do they do if he's not there? Look, there's other options for them. If, if he's not there, then it probably means that one of McKenzie or Sardis or Filippo is there. Well, it probably does mean that. So that's hard to be knocking back one of those guys. So they look at one of the West Australians in, in Ed Allen or, or Elijah Hewitt. Um, they've obviously shown interest in those guys recently too, as well as Ruben Jinby. So I, I would think it's unlikely that they shifted out of that, that spot of the draft if, if they do... Um, miss out on Clark, but if Clark's there, I mean, from the moment um, we reported that pick seven was potentially on the table with, with Jack Bowes, everyone linked Jai Clark to that selection and, and sometimes the pieces fit and sometimes they don't, but sometimes the pieces do fit and you get to draft and go, well, that was three months in the making. Cal, the last name I want to ask about this morning is Ollie Hollands. He's a name that football fans will be familiar with because his brother was taken a pick seven in 2020 by the Gold Coast Suns. We saw glimpses of Elijah Hollands this year. Ollie Hollins, does he go top 10? He's different to Elijah, if we have seen a little bit of Elijah. Elijah's more of a powerful, taller, inside midfielder who goes forward and kicks goals, and that was the 
the the image of Elijah coming through his draft year for me was like the bust out of the middle, kick a goal from 55. Ollie's a different player to that. He's a, he's a more of a running type. He goes up and back the ground. He, he, he won the – was the joint winner of the, the two-kilometre time trial at the Combine, five minutes and 54. And I've, you know, you do your running, Josh. That, that's flying. Flying. Absolutely flying. So I think he's going to be Not around – Not current AFL players go under two minutes on, no. the, on current list. So no. that's flying. No, no, exactly right. So he he's um, ready to play, and, and he, he, a club can pick him with confidence. Knowing he's going to blitz the preseason too mm. in that respect, and, and that comes into thinking. You don't want to be picking a player who is going to have to be nursed through their first couple of preseasons before they're ready to match it with their teammates. So I, I, I think he's right in that group of St Kilda, Carlton, Bulldogs, and maybe even if he got through to the Swans in that mix. But uh, yeah, he's going to the opening night of the draft, and I expect him to be taken in that first fifteen. Kel, last one for you this morning. Like a lot of people, I've been keeping an eye on your phantom guides across the past five months. Who are some of the names that have really elevated, especially of late? It's probably Ed, Ed Allen, to be honest. He's the guy who I think we put him in, uh, would have been in the September one. He sort of entered entered the mix, I think, fair to say. And that was on the back of his six weeks for Claremont and what we were seeing is a player who was 194, 195 centimetres who can play in the midfield. And then... After that, obviously, it was the combine, and he blitzed the combine. And you go through more of his work and think, well, what could this guy be? I've, I've sort of described him as a Mark Blitzer's type of player. I think that's the versatility that he might have you know, down the track. Athletically, runs the 20 in 2.81 seconds. That's, that's Speaking of elite, elite, that's elite movement. Like, not many AFL players run that. The combine, that's one of the all-time great combine runs. So that puts him in some amazing company. He's been the player that I think he ended up at was he 14 or 15 in the last form guide? And yeah, he might make me look silly because he's he's, um, he's come with a bit of a rush. Thanks for your time this morning, Cal. We'll be back again tomorrow morning with you. The build-up to the AFL draft ramps up on Thursday afternoon with the draft night countdown returning. Thanks for joining us again on AFL Daily. Keep with us on afl.com.au and the AFL Live app for all the latest footy news. We'll see you again tomorrow with plenty more on AFL Daily. This is Sarah Black from the award-winning Credit to the Girls podcast. Join myself, Gemma Bastiani and Lucy Watkin as we delve into the world of AFLW with all the biggest news and views from around the game. Mondays are for round recaps. A big-name guest is put under the spotlight on our interview Wednesdays while we preview the upcoming weekend on Thursdays. Subscribe to Credit to the Girls wherever you get your podcasts to never miss a moment.